0: Now it's time for this week's film reviews with Mark Sibby and Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM. Yes it is, Phoenix FM film reviews with me Stuart Pink and legend has it he once invited Dracula for a barbecue and he's the only man who ever persuaded him to try the vegan burger. It's Mark (laughs) Sirby.
1: I live to regret it though.
0: <laughs> oh, did you? Did it not go down well?
1: It, no, it didn't. No, it absolutely not. not. Would turn the
0: TV. Been promised.
1: He he wasn't a fan. It wasn't a fan <laughs> at all. No. Go ahead, bought sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That would have yeah. kept him happy, surely. surely. Yes, I guess so. Yeah, absolutely. Turns out, yeah. Dracula wasn't actually that worried about the meat. He just wanted the sauce. That's all it was. And he could only come in the evening as well. Yeah, was it was weird. Work. Like, we started it during the day. And we're like, come at any time. then... Um... <laughs> is that what it
0: was? You'd run out of the burgers by then. Because <laughs> no one actually has the vegan one, unless they have to.
1: Not until right at the end. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that's barbecue etiquette, that is, I think. It's really, isn't it? Yeah, get the vegan ones out last. <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. It's, do you know what? It's weird, obviously, because we're, we're going to talk about Dracula movie in a minute. But we're talking about Dracula in April. Yeah. Which... It's a a kind of odd, late or early. I don't know which way round. I I don't know. Maybe they're just going for the long tail effect of uh, you know it'll it'll still be running by the time we get to Halloween. Um, I, I don't know, but it, it is weird, isn't it? It's it, I just found it a bit strange that to release this now when we have been we've been missing good horror movies around Halloween. I mean, we've reviewed uh, horror movies around Halloween, and I think nine times out of ten they've been terrible. Um, (laughs) So I'm kind of like, you need a big budget, you know, big studio horror movie on that weekend and hope that it does well. Just releasing it, whether it does well or not, doesn't matter. At least they've got something out there because that's what we've been missing. Instead, we've got this movie in April. Which is weird. Yeah. But then having said that interesting. on the flip of that, last April, do you remember we reviewed the Nicolas Cage movie, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? Oh, was that around this time last year? So that was April. And uh, now yeah. this April we've got Nicolas Cage in a movie which I think you could find this through line from unbearable weight of massive talent to renfield very easy in terms of the Nicolas cage performance here do you um, think, is it is it uh, a sequel prequel um what? <laughs> i would say it's probably a sequel to unbearable weight yeah directly yeah okay. i would just based on what he goes through in in that movie which by the way if nobody's seen it unbearable weight of massive talent you should see it. very very good it's very funny i still
0: haven't but it looks like a laugh a minute
1: Ah, oh, nicholas cage poking fun at himself it's fantastic yeah so i i think this could be a sequel to that now interestingly renfield which is the movie we're talking about now um is a sequel to the 1931 film adaptation of dracula
0: wow okay ah oh, so it's like following on from that legendary film
1: yes so okay. that hugely legendary movie that's, you know, sparked off the Universal Studios classic monster movie era. Um, this is a sequel to it, and oh. it stars Nicolas Cage. And you think, that's got to be a winner, surely. Yeah. And I think on some level it is. The acting is really good here, actually. Nicolas Holt plays Renfield, who is Dracula's right-hand man, or as they call him in, in here, the familia. um uh, he's okay. Uh, he does slip into like a Hugh Grantish persona performance oh. at times. Interesting. Well, that's interesting because obviously he played opposite Hugh Grant in About a Boy, what, yeah, twenty years ago, something like that, maybe longer. I don't know. Um, but on the whole, I, th- I thought uh, Nicholas Holt was was pretty good in the main role. Um, I did laugh a lot at Aquafina and Ben Schwartz as the police officer and the drug baron. I <laughs> thought they were hilarious. They both dialed it up to Eleven spectacularly well. I I really did laugh a lot at them. I mean, I'm a huge Aquafina fan anyway. Um, Nora oh, Nora was hilarious. Yeah, she's brilliant. Really Nora from Queens is such a good TV show. It really is. Um, so I, I like them in it. Then you've got Nicolas Cage as Dracula. And <laughs> I'm not sure what he was going for here, but it is all over the shop, and yet it sort of works. Yeah. Because one minute you've got Nicolas Cage playing Nick Cage, playing Dracula, if you know what I mean by that. If if you've seen Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, you'll know Nicolas Cage is the man as in he's he's the behind the scenes guy who goes into acting and then nick cage is the on screen nicholas cage nick cage rage cage all of that yeah. and then you've got the characters playing so the, in the, so one minute he's nicholas cage the behind the scenes guy then he, he's playing nick cage the rage cage playing dracula uh-huh and you're like what <laughs> and then the next minute it's nicholas cage playing dr evil playing dracula Oh, wow. Okay, there's a lot of layers to this. There there is a lot of layers. It's weird and it shouldn't work. And yet it kind of does because it's Nicolas Cage. I'm not sure who else could have given a performance like this except for Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage or Nick Cage, maybe. Well, well, this was the discussion we had about unbearable weight of massive talent. Is it Nicolas Cage or is it Nick Cage? You know, where, where does the private and public persona start and stop? That's the question. Yeah. And it's kind of blurred here a bit. So I think, you know, me and you have reviewed a lot of Nicolas Cage movies in recent years. And we've always talked about Rage Cage. But this is not Rage Cage. This is Panto Cage. OK. <laughs> right? Oh, no, it isn't oh yes it is and if you say oh no it isn't again he will come around and bite your neck
0: okay we'll um, there.
1: Yep. yeah so the acting's good i like the acting in this but the script lets this film down really badly it's nowhere near oh. as funny as it could be or it should be there are huge gaps in this film where there is nothing funny happening and you really notice the gaps because the film loses all of its energy and its entertainment value and then when the jokes do arrive some of them just aren't funny. And some of them are a bit of a slog to actually sit through as well. I, I just think the script needed to be tighter and heavier on the humour because that's what this film lacks. And yet, that's what's meant to be the central idea behind the film is that it is a horror comedy. It's meant to be funny. And at times it is funny. But a lot of the time it's not funny. And that's disappointing. Oh, see, I thought it would have been an from
0: the trailer. There's definitely enough funny bits in the trailer yeah but exactly them adding yeah adding out jobbies. yeah that,
1: that's the thing you look at the trailer you go this should be really funny and it, it's kind of not it's kind of not that's the shame the other thing that's shown a little bit in the trailer but not too much is the amount of gore that goes on here
0: okay yeah. it's very high
1: it's very high there is a lot of tomato sauce here but in a silly stakes type way. Arms and legs are ripped off, but are done in an inventive way and way, 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 way over the top as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Some of it's funny, some of it isn't. It's not scary, I'll say that. Not, th- this is not a scary movie at all, even though it's a comedy horror. I still don't class it as that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, the gore is high on this one. The high. It, it's a very high level of it. Like pop fiction kind of funny hi uh, well that's a bit more serious, I think you know th- this is this is very much tongue-in-cheek yeah. Oh, yeah. type stuff. Yeah. Um, you see some of the inventive ways that people are gilding this and you'll go, okay, nobody else would think about this and I'm laughing at it because it's so silly. So uh, you know it, it does okay. its job on that regard. I just think that the whole problem with the film is it doesn't quite know what it wants to do with its central idea, which is basically Renfield. Decides he wants to go, he wants to look for life away from Count Dracula. Okay, yeah. That's the central idea. Leaving the team. Yeah, I just don't think it knows how to do that. I do think we've been spoiled by the TV show and before that the film of what we do in the shadows. Because that is such a good premise and it works brilliantly. Every single season of that show is amazing. Every single person in that show is amazing, by the way. I'm a huge fan of it. And I thought going into Renfield, they might just do the same sort of thing. And they kind of have tried to do it, but as I said, it's nowhere near as funny. And that's the shame for it. It it, it just doesn't get anywhere near something like what we do in the shadows. It doesn't get anywhere near something like warm bodies either, which I'm, I'm a fan of, which obviously stars Nicholas Hall again. Um, you know, that was a nice rom-zom-rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> Zom-rom-com. But it worked. That was the thing. So I'm not saying that Renfield is a bad film because it's not. It just, pardon the pun here, Stuart, and I'm probably going to take away something you've written down here, but it lacks that bite because oh, it should oh, be.
0: Oh, very good.
1: Yeah. So very it's good. okay, but it could have been good. It could have been great but that humour is just missing from it just didn't quite get your blood pumping (laughs) no no No, it didn't not at all no Um, okay
0: so renfield it's in cinemas in april seems like the perfect time to go um it's kind of is it easter related i guess in a way
1: Um, (laughs) well i mean we're past easter now i guess so what are, are we saying all bets are off that uh, it doesn't need to be you know I'm just trying to think if there's a rabbit in there or anything I don't think there is no that would be no. like at all really I would fear for the <laughs> rabbit to
0: be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh so so it's it's still fun
1: but just not what you, what the, the, you this is what I'm saying it's okay but when you've seen something like what we do in the shadows when you've seen something like warm bodies um you, you come away from this going oh it could have been so much more
0: that's the frustrating thing. Yeah. Okay, nice one. to so Renfield in cinemas. Now uh, we have another film to do. Uh, we shall do that after this.
1: This is Phoenix 98 FM.
0: Just when you thought it was over, here is another film review. Uh, Phoenix FM film reviews. Mark Tibby, still with us. What else you got for us?
1: Uh, a documentary we haven't done a documentary for a while oh, so uh no, i uh, thought we just did d- well Better we minute. did <laughs> yeah well, re- <laughs> based on the true story yes yeah, absolutely yeah. yes so we've got a documentary now called loving highsmith and this is based on patricia highsmith's personal writings and accounts of her family and lovers so this documentary oh, casts oh. new light on the famous thriller writer's life now wow okay do you, do you know Patricia Highsmith? Are you aware of her work? I've heard the name, and I think mm-hmm. there's a few films kind of come from her books, isn't there? Um. The, yes, yes, I think that's what we should point out. So yeah. anybody who is not aware of Patricia Highsmith's Patricia Highsmith might be aware of her work. So you know, she uh, she wrote *Strangers on a Train* for Hitchcock, uh, uh, yeah, uh, *Talented Mr. Ripley*, which obviously starred Jude Law and Matt Damon, *Carol*, which starred um, Kate Blanchett. Um, And there's been a few other stuff, big screen adaptations of her work as well. All of those and the others have received great acclaim. However, while this documentary does look at her writing and also how it was adapted onto the big screen, it's more interesting in exploring who Patricia Highsmith was as a person. Now, what I got from this documentary is that that's a really complex question because Patricia Highsmith was a complex woman. Yeah, most authors are. Yeah, to a certain degree, I'm not complex, and yet I'm an author, so (laughs) it's fine. So, you know, I'm I'm booking the trend there. Um, We do hear extracts from Patricia Highsmith's diary, read by Gwendolyn Christie, and they sound like a woman who's constantly trying to find love and happiness. Yet, listening to some of her ex-lovers who are interviewed in this movie, it sounds like she had that at times, and she was simply putting on a front to keep the public persona of herself a mystery. Okay, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna do this outside, but internally I'm doing okay. I I think the documentary is a bit of a struggle at times as well. There are things said in this that then contradict themselves later on as well. It's also a bit of a mess in terms of its timeline as well. So as much as it tries to go through her life in, you know, standard time order, standard age order, there are moments which where it jumps forward and then it jumps backwards. So it becomes a bit of a whiplash documentary where you... you just need the the timeline. You just need it in order so everything fits in with Highsmith's well, life,
0: Marvel Universe. Uh, uh, well, Doctor Strange turning up. I, I <laughs> get, yeah, I <laughs> guess that's
1: the way of looking at it. Yes, oh. there are bits in here as well that are quickly passed over, including her coming to live in England. Like I, I, I didn't know that at oh. all. It's in this documentary, yeah. but it's it's like she's living in England. Move on, and you're Uh-oh. like, oh, okay, oh, where? <laughs> yeah, fun. but then. We spend a long time with her family in Texas, even though Patricia Highsmith left Texas when she was six years old. Oh. I, 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 don't, I didn't get that at all. I mean, I understand, yes, okay, they, they probably still live there, but at the same time, it didn't it so didn't serve what was bit happening. Of her life, yeah. It could have been anywhere. It could have been in a studio. It still wouldn't have mattered. Also, it quickly passes over her work, being adapted by Hitchcock, you know, for Strangers on a Train. Now, I was watching that, and I was thinking, surely that's of importance when it came to her establishing herself as a writer. Um, I'm kind of thinking, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And yet, yeah. it's it's sort of here one minute and gone the next as well. Um, yeah. You know, I, I say writer because mo- most of her work, people would say, well, that's a crime piece, crime book crime film or whatever she didn't like that terminology she didn't like being called crime writer oh yeah Yeah. uh so obviously it glosses over yeah so it glosses over strangers on a train but then it spends a long time discussing carol uh the the book i mean i get it that's her masterpiece in terms of not just writing but also from a personal standpoint and as a flag for lesbians in, in in the 1950s, you know, saying this is this is us. This is, you know, somebody's finally said what we've all been trying to desperately say and do. Yeah. But it feels like too long is spent on that and not enough on other work that was clearly just as important in her career. Whether we've seen it or not, whether we've read it or not, there were certain points where I'm like, oh, well, that seems like a big deal. Yeah. But in it some ways,
0: That's the job of a documentary, isn't it? To focus on the bits you might not know.
1: About. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I came away with thinking I never got a full or even half picture of who Patricia Highsmith truly was. And when you're dealing with somebody as complex as this, as I said, you know, she it seemed like she had love and happiness quite a lot in her life, but pretended she didn't. Or maybe she didn't. That was the thing. Maybe she was genuinely unhappy, even though she was playing happy i don't know mm. but what i came away thinking is this is somebody who needed more than a 90 minute documentary to unravel who they really were i think this should have been like a a mini documentary series on tv
0: yeah there's clearly a lot of life to to tell I know oh,
1: a, the, oh a life and a half that's the thing and yet a lot of it is skipped over, and a lot of it is spent. Well, too much is spent on other bits. And I'm thinking, I'd like to know more about this. I'd like to know more about that. But it, it, it's, it's quite frustrating. Oh, so where,
0: where is this out? Can we see this in? The- uh,
1: so this is, uh, this is in cinemas right now. Oh right,
0: okay. On the big screen. Yes. Nice and so loving, Highsmith. Um, you felt like it could have, could have given a bit more love to certain aspects
1: mm. yes absolutely absolutely as I said i'm I was interested I've seen the film adaptations I've not read any of her books but I've seen the film adaptations. I'm a big fan of two faces of January by the way which is um an underrated Highsmith piece of work and I mean the tentative Mr. Mr Ripley is, is genuinely a masterpiece as is strangers on the train um yeah so you know i i'm a I'm aware of Patricia Highsmith I've never read any of her work but I like the adaptations and from what i gather they are very faithful adaptations so i'm thinking i would like to know more about the person who made these but oh, i didn't get it didn't get it in the documentary just had to
0: resort to good old-fashioned googling
1: yeah yeah that's kind of what it was yeah yeah oh shame
0: uh so loving highsmith in cinemas <laughs> And now, as a podcast extra, here's another film review. Excellent. You've got something special for us um, on the podcast. And I would like to add, before we go into details about what film it is, um, this is film number
1: 666. (laughs) I mean, you couldn't make this up. We genuinely have not made this up. We've not stopped counting or anything else like that. Um, This is this, is, this is well i mean you do the counting i i just do the film reviews basically um and you said to me this is film 666 and when i tell you what the film is about um you'll, you'll understand <laughs> you, you'll understand why it's significant we tell you the number so film number film review number 666 is about a daughter who is threatened with eternal damnation because she has a dark secret. Oh,
0: oh how dark is that secret?
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. so so for anybody thinking, uh, OK, um, think of the omen. OK, yeah, right. Because obviously <laughs> that was that was dealing with a, a young child who had yeah. 666 in the head. Um, now we have a daughter who's threatened with eternal damnation because of a dark secret that she has. Um, yeah. So <laughs> so this is a movie called The Curse of Rosalie. Okay. What I should say before we talk about the movie is that when you go to look this up on IMDb, it's also called The Harbinger.
0: Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I was going to say the poster looks like it says that. I was just hoping I saw the right film there. Yeah, uh, in the yeah. No,
1: bit. So <laughs> so it was previously called The Harbinger. IMDb has still got that. But there is another movie called The Harbinger. Oh, oh right. Okay.
0: okay. So that's why they changed it.
1: But the name change can't stop this film from being utterly, utterly dreadful. <laughs> I mean, from from about minute five, <laughs> I, I think even by that point, most horror film fans will have checked out, hoping this film is anything but terrible. And that's because even by the first person the family meet in there as they go to a new town, it's full to the brim of horror movie clichés. Basically, they stop at a petrol station on the way into town... The man serving them says they don't want to know about the business card that fell out onto the map. It's too dangerous. And he takes the card off them and throws it in the bin. Oh, oh. so dramatic. I, I know, I know. And then <laughs> Rosalie's dad turns around to him and he goes, I'm the one doing you a favour. I mean, from from that moment on, you can literally foresee every single moment in this film. It's, it's cliché to the hilt. It really is. And the, so, as I'd mentioned... It is about the young daughter, hence the title, Mm. The Curse of Rosaline. But actually, the film's about the father. Yeah, it's actually not even about her, it's about him. It's so weird. It's so weird. I get that he's some sort of protector, you know, he's a father. But the title literally is referencing the daughter. And all that happens is she is a demonic force or something or other and seems to just scowl at people.
0: She's doing that very scowl
1: in the poster. See, yeah, yeah. Well, she's annoyed because she's got a curse. Okay, Who so she's scowling. Is, you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. Whereas her dad is the one running around and battling the demonic forces. It's, uh, it's a title that bears hardly any relation to what's actually happening. Oh, <laughs>
0: the, uh, I, I a bit do. I, yeah.
1: yeah, and the thing is, well, uh, clearly this is. You know, it's got a, a respectable budget, I would guess. Um, you know, I'm not going to say this is low budget. You know, when you're talking about low budget horror filmmaking, I mean, low budget nowadays would be something like 500 quid and you've made a movie. You know, that's, that's yeah. low budget. I don't think this has. But the film doesn't look low budget. That's the thing. But do, do you know what? It looks really glossy. Like you've seen the trailer. Yeah, it looked like they splashed they out on all the yeah. stuff. And to me, I'm like... It's too glossy. It's too polished. It's too sheen to be a horror film. I mean, even the big finale, where the father's doing battle and all things are happening, and there's a little bit of blood running down his chin. That's it, by the way. Um, <laughs> his clothes don't get ripped or anything. Oh, but there's like fire and everything. It was well, yeah. This is the thing. It's it's missing the basic elements of when a human fights a demon and it becomes a struggle. I mean, you wouldn't know that here. It's good you wouldn't know. Cuffs in the car park. Yeah. but well, it's not even that. It's not even that. It's a love tap here and there, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't know any of that at all. Mm. Everything about this film looks and feels like it is the first version. So it's like the first script where they've done no rewrites, uh, first acting without ever going for another take, first action scene without resetting and filming from different angles. It's so basic. And it is hideously outdated as well. I mean, this is the type of low budget yet glossy horror films that were doing the rounds when I first started reviewing stuff back in Well, we won't comment when yeah, um, Back back then. Yeah. Back then, yes, you know, thank you. I think
0: you can get that actually from the little clips I'm seeing here. They yeah. do look a bit retro. Like it's surprising this was filmed last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that but when you say retro some people go. That sounds interesting. It's not. Yeah, not it's that. One. Yeah, it's that sort of retro where you go. Well, that was the thing fifteen years ago when all of them were coming out and that they were low budget movies, but they were making them look big budget. That's what this does. And you're like, we're, we're beyond that. If you're making a horror movie, make it scruffy, make it ugly. You know that. That's the point of it. Nobody's going into the Omen going. Ah, oh, wish they'd have polished this up a bit more. <laughs> it's about a demonic child Of yeah. course it's going to be evil It's going to be nasty It's going to be bloodshed and whatever else And you're like, oh, wish they'd colorized the blood a bit more Really, you know, that that's the thing I mean, the, those movies What I'm saying You know, those movies that came out 15 something years ago maybe that were like this they died out very quickly because soon people just got really bored of going it doesn't look like a horror movie and in fact it's not a horror movie it looks like some sort of daytime soap opera um (laughs) they died out so i'm hoping they're not making a comeback based on this absolutely awful piece of work oh no
0: um i think to give it its time stamp really the the trailer includes Radiohead's creep um (laughs) (laughs) which <laughs> kind of feels like that's when they intended this to come out no. yeah
1: but but that's the thing they've included that in there but Radiohead Creep is a is a song that still works now yeah if you put that into a proper horror movie you'd go well this fits well, this perfectly fits so putting it in then you go I don't know when this time period is what is this time period for this movie because I can't work it out
0: oh dear So the curse of Ross Eli, aka the Harbinger um, it's just just aka
1: the dreadful
0: (laughs) aka when even is this yeah exactly Um, yes exactly when is this oh dear so film 666 was a devil of a piece of work really
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was yes it needs to be um staked at the heart (laughs) excellent excellent um
0: Lovely. Thank you very much. What you got for us next week? What's 667 going to be?
1: Well, let's change it up a little bit. We're going to do a thriller called Missing, which is a sequel to the movie that came out in 2019 called Searching, which it's all done through the means of a computer. Oh. So everything is done through a computer screen. Um, So this is the sequel. It's called Missing. So we'll do that. And then um, film number, what is it, 668?
0: uh yes 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 yes.
1: Yes. yes so the neighbor of the beast 668 oh, okay that works w- will be winnie the pooh <laughs> wait winnie the pooh blood and honey
0: hold on what yes what? there's oh, no. a
1: horror movie out about <laughs> winnie the Pooh. so so we'll do that amazing and then we'll also do uh on dvd and blu-ray we'll do megan which is another horror movie. So Sorry to you, oh, because I know on. you hate horror movies. Sorry to you, but look, it's obviously the time for it at the moment. I hate horror
0: movies, unless they involve Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh.
1: <laughs> well, just you wait until next week. Just make sure you are stocked up uh, with honey and... Um, <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> tomato ketchup, let's go. Yes, tomato ketchup and honey
0: not sure that combination works for me, um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll find well, out what it tastes like.
1: <laughs> maybe we'll get you to taste it before we go on air next week.
0: I've had some things in my toast in my time, but that that's that's new. <laughs> film Reviews on Phoenix FM with Mark Sibby and Stuart Pink. Miss this week's film reviews? Then listen again on phoenixfm.com or wherever you get your podcasts.